What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lacoste Bucket Podcast. It is game week as you do have two games to schedule on today's podcast. The very first two games of the college season, Bellarmine at Mercer and Denver versus Utah. Both will take place on Saturday. But before we get to previewing those games, do want to... Uh, go over a few pieces of news from the past week or so uh, that we've seen around the college across world, starting with some coaching changes. Um, obviously, we talked on the last one about Bobby Benson coming to Maryland as the offensive coordinator. Well, UMass Lowell has also added uh, their, uh, has found their offensive coordinator, Patrick Emmer, the son of Jack Emmer, a Hall of Fame a legendary head coach. Jack Emmer uh, is his father. Patrick Emmer served uh, in as an assistant for Furman, uh, which obviously uh, shut their doors on the lacrosse program back over the summer. At UMBC, Craig Chick has been elevated to the defensive coordinator position. Uh, he was a volunteer assistant last year. Uh, just two years removed from being a college player uh, at Lehigh. Very good one and playing in the pro game as well, I believe, in the PLL. Um, so that is the two on-field pieces of, of news that we have. Um, the only teams that are still looking for an on-field or still have an on-field vacancy are Hampton, who's not playing this year. Um, I believe they're working for a defensive coordinator. Uh, Collins Gantz is their offensive coordinator, was retained uh, off of that Rashad DeVoe staff uh, by Chaz Woodson. Merrimack and Detroit Mercy uh, do not have defensive coordinator positions, uh, but and, and only have one full-time assistant if uh, listed on the roster at the moment. But, you know, that is the same staff they had last year, in a sense, where uh, the head coach served as the defensive coordinator for the shortened 2020 season. Uh, so Detroit Mercy and Merrimack, the only two schools that are playing this year that still have on-field roles, uh, on-field vacancies uh, at assistant coaching positions. Princeton uh, has listed on the NCAA job market website, uh, I think it was last week, for a, a director of operations. Um, you know, as of right now, the Ivy League is up in the air if they will play or not. Uh, Princeton's one of the two teams, along with Harvard, that has been uh, reported by some to not uh, being to not going to play this season. Um, Princeton, that director of ops. Job was previously previously held by Tucker uh, Miser, who has joined John Posner on his staff at Lawrenceville uh, High School in New Jersey. Uh, Miser was uh, an assistant at Culver uh, Military Academy with Posner before he came to Princeton, uh, going over to Lawrenceville with him. So that's the coaching news that we have coaching changes on the assistant coaching front. Now, there are a couple roster notes I do want to mention. First and foremost, um, I, I know Drexel 
they were set to return four uh, fifth-year guys, pretty impactful fifth-year guys. They're only returning three. Uh, Colin Mailman, Reed Bowering, and Jemiah Kota are all three coming back. Matthew Valian is not coming back. I was told by the school that he, you know, he he was initially listed on the roster in the fall. The 2021 roster initially had uh, Valian on there. He's not on there on the updated roster they put out the other day. And what I was told by the school is he found a uh, was offered a job and, and took that job um, following graduation uh, and has decided to not come back for a fifth year. Um, you know, pretty sizable hit to uh, a Drexel team that, you know, is going to be pretty good. It was a strong team last year, has been a strong team over the past couple of seasons. And, you know, with Valian, as well as those three others I mentioned, expected to come back this year, you know, many were, were, t- were talking and have been talking uh, very highly of Drexel. Uh, I still think they'll be... You know, a very good squad, a very formidable team in the CAA, um, certainly competing uh, to be kind of an upset, uh, an underdog-type uh, situation. I believe inside Lacrosse named them uh, one of the top five sneakiest teams coming into the season. Uh, so they will still be that, just not with Valian there, uh, who is a top 10 guy all-time in career. I believe it's points and assists. And he's been very, very effective at the attack spot during his career. So they will not have him this year as he uh, decides not to come back, uh, which initially was his plan. And then also, this was brought to my attention the other day, go to Cornell's roster, was number 51. And if if you need to know who number 51 is, that's Jeff Teat. Jeff Teat is not listed on the Cornell roster. Now, I'm going to say this. Uh, this could very well be a Harvard situation. And what I mean by that is Harvard, back in the fall, they and they've added some dudes to the roster now, I believe. Um, but back in the fall, they only had the guys listed on the site that were on campus, which was majority freshmen. Uh, so, you know, that's what I expect. Um, and we've seen Cornell pop up on at least one schedule. Uh, Robert Morris. So we do know that they're planning to play. And if any, you know, if the Ivy cancels, um, and again, we have no decision from the Ivy, they would be the one team that I would see as being the most upset. Um, Brown, I know, has sent a letter, has a letter going around on social media, as well as some Yale student athletes and and so, you know, we'll see what happens with the Ivy. But, um, you know, with Jeff Teat not being listed on the roster, you know, you know I, I don't think it means a ton. I think it just means, he, you know, I don't know if he was enrolled in the fall or if he was enrolling in the spring. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I, I wouldn't look too much into it um, at this point. Now, if he's not on there, after they announced they're going to play in March, mid-March, uh, you know, then I would, you know, maybe say look into it a bit. But st- I don't, I don't, I don't think 
uh, right now there's any reason to believe that Jeff Teat uh, is not going to be at Cornell um, if they will play in 2021. Um, speaking of the Ivy League and and and, and big time players there, you know TD Irwin um, is a big time player from the Ivy League. He's headed west to Denver, uh, who we'll talk about in a minute. But I do want to mention, and like I'm not going to mention TD in this um, game preview for Utah because he won't be there. Denver has a trimester uh, school schedule, so TD will come in around, I believe, March 20th is the date, uh, somewhere around there, so mid-March. So he should he'll miss probably the first maybe five games of the season. I would guess three to five games. Uh, so he'll be there for the second half of the season, which you know in many cases is the most important part of the season. Um, and and you know certainly this year Denver is playing non-conference games, but it's a heavy conference schedule uh, playing each team twice in conference. So. Um, you know, getting him back for that second half of the season, or getting him for that second half of the season, um, and like that's assuming that everything goes as planned. Um, and look, if the Ivy League does end up playing, there's possibly a chance he ends up back at Yale. But at the moment, I would you know plan on TD Irwin being at Denver in mid March uh, when that second uh, quarter or trimester, whatever you want to call it, starts count on T.D. Irwin being there in Denver and, you know, getting him, it just elevates them. Um, you know, they were a kind of, in my mind, a fringe top five, top six, seven team coming into the season. I believe they were preseason number five. Um, and I can't remember which poll it was. Um, you know, I know I had them a bit lower in my personal um, preseason uh, poll, and I think back to now, like I would put them top five, definitely, possibly top three, knowing that TD is going to be there because we saw what the impact of him going to Yale was. And I've said before, if he does, if he does not transfer to Yale, Yale does not make back-to-back uh, title game appearances. They might go back to championship weekend in 2019 after winning it all in 2018. But I don't think they beat uh, who's it they played Penn State. I don't think they beat Penn State without TD. Heck, they probably don't beat Penn uh, in the quarterfinals without TD when they had Kyle Gal when they had Kyle Gallagher there. And I mean, they went what was that fifty fifty almost uh, between the two. And and that's just the kind of impact that he has and. And you look at Denver, and they've had you know, dominant face-off guy after dominant face-off guy. Um, you know, everyone looks at Trevor Baptiste. Look, uh, the guy that came before Trevor Baptiste, Chase Carrero, was a top guy in the country. Um, and then you had Trevor Baptiste. And last year, Alex Tatakis, who we'll talk about in a minute, uh, was one of the top freshmen, not only at his position, but across uh, college lacrosse. Um, you know, one of those dominant Face-off guys last season, especially as a freshman, should be even better this year. So you look, you add T.D. Irwin to that face-off room, and you have Brett Boos there as well, who was a starter in 2019 for them. 
after you know, Baptiste, you have three guys that are starting caliber face-off guys at the dot. Um, that is a very, very, very heavy, very formidable, that was the word I was looking for, formidable, talented face-off unit. I, you know, I would argue it's, you could argue, and look, the face-off unit was really good at Yale as well with TD. Um, and, you know, they have some studs behind him as well. But you could argue, and I've heard people say this before, um, you know, this week, the Denver face-off unit with TD this year could be the best of all time. Could be the best of all time. That, that's the kind of impact that a transfer like him has. We saw it at Yale uh, when he went from Albany to Yale, and we're going to see it again with him going from Yale to Denver midseason. Now moving on to the two games that we have this weekend. We're going to start with the first one, which is Bellerman at Mercer. And uh, I, I can tell you at, at the moment, uh, Bellerman did their COVID testing. Um, they had zero cases. Uh, they are, as we speak, on the bus um, going down to Macon uh, to take on the Mosu Bears on Saturday. Um, all good to go. So it looks like uh, we are going to get our first college lacrosse game of the season, regular season game, I should add, because High Point has a scrimmage at 10 a.m. against UNC. They had a scrimmage last weekend as well against the D2 opponent. So the first regular season game, 11 a.m. Eastern time, Moser versus Bellarmine down at Five Star Stadium in lovely Macon, Georgia. Um, the stream for that game, I've not seen it yet, um, but it will be updated on uh, lacrossebucket.com. We have a 2021 Division One schedule tab at the uh, top bar there on the menu. Um, so, and that has, you know, as schedules come out, that is getting updated. Um, and so, you know, there's no stream link I've seen for that game yet. Mostly Bellerman, but, um, I assume there's going to be, um, if there's not, that's pretty disappointing, but, um, I, I do assume there's going to be a stream of this game, um, and it will be updated there, uh, inside lacrosse. I know also has a, uh, calendar that they have that has all the stream links as well. Um, so you can check there as well. Um, or on the Mosa website is where it should be. Um, I know the SoCon is doing, uh, they have a deal with ESPN Plus. Uh, the multiple teams will have ESPN Plus games this year. Um, I, I don't believe this is an ESPN Plus game from what I've seen on the ESPN calendar. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we should get a stream link uh, within the next. Uh, day or so, uh, recording here on uh, Wednesday night. Getting into this game, so we have you know kind of set the stage here. You have Bellerman entering second year head coach Andy Whitley, and then you have Moser under first year head coach Chad Sermon. Talk about the Knights here first. Um, you know, offense is kind of their strength this year, um, at least early on. I, I think so. Um, you know, they have a new defensive coordinator 
and Nicholas uh, Marks. He replaces Kyle Bernal, uh, who was there last year um, as defensive coordinator. And they do return J.C. Higginbotham, who should be the starting goalie, as well as John Robbins and Chase Fairbanks for fifth season. Uh, Robbins, LSM, you know, very effective last season. Fairbanks, kind of the leader of that close defense unit. Harrison Pate, a local product out of uh, San X here in Louisville, a short stick defensive midfielder, had a stellar freshman season. I uh, can see him taking another step forward on uh, as a sophomore. Uh, but really, that defense, you know, they weren't necessarily the best last year. And I think this experience uh, that they bring back with Robbins and Fairbanks is good, but you still have some questions there. And, you know, whether Higginbotham uh, gets the start or not, he should, as he was the top guy last year. Um, but, you know, Bellerman has had a, I don't want to say history, but a tradition, but, a you know, a history of kind of um, uh, a mess at the goalie position over the past couple seasons, really ever since Dylan Ward uh, graduated, uh, you know, all-time great Dylan Ward. Uh, you know, future uh, future Hall of Famer, uh, National Cross Hall of Famer, NLL Hall of Famer, they're bringing that back. Um, Dylan Ward, um, you know, we're, we're best best player in program history. And ever since he's got he's left, essentially, the goalie position's been kind of in flux. And you've seen multiple guys step in and start every year, um, with the exception of maybe one or two years, but. You know, they would lose their job immediately the next year or transfer out, and it's it's been a mess. So we'll see what happens at that goalie position. I would expect Higginbotham to, to get the start there. And then with Robbins and Fairbanks, I do think this defense should be pretty good. Uh, but coming in you know, this first game, um, I know they were supposed to have a scrimmage last weekend. That got canceled due to uh, COVID-19 uh, cases in the University of Indianapolis, Indianapolis program, D D2 program that was supposed to come down and play Bellerman. That did not happen. So this is, and Mercer had their uh, scrimmage canceled last weekend as well. Uh, they didn't give a reason for it. Um, so both these squads coming in kind of fresh, um, you know, not having faced anybody else but themselves. Um since essentially last March, because no fall ball scrimmages either. Um, so, you know, this defense, I do look and see, you know, what are they going to do? How, you know, how, how are things going to work um, in game one under this new defensive coordinator um, here against a pretty pretty strong offense in Mercer that we'll talk about in a second. But uh, we got to talk about the Bellman offense first. As I mentioned, that is their strength. They have four of their top five guys back. Uh, Luke, uh, Landon Trout is the guy um, on this offense. You know he is the shooter. Uh, he's also a very strong feeder. Uh, he's kind of a balanced guy, um, and, and uh, in terms of his production, Luke Legnard, uh, Braden Brown, uh, you know, stepped up a lot last year. Both those guys did. Um, you had Riley C transfer out to Loyola after a strong freshman season in 2019. 
and then you had some graduations. Luke Legnard and Braden Brown were able to step in there and really hold their own and, and had really good seasons last year um, as primary options. They will be uh, you know, you know, really, really stellar this year as well. Uh, there's also multiple young guys uh, that this Bellarmine team has that I think can step up. You've got a guy like Benny O'Rourke, who was a freshman last year, got a lot of clock. Uh, sh- you know, expect him to step up and get some more time, um, as well as some other young guys this year. Um, and the only loss they have is Morgan Macko, uh, who grad transferred to Marquette. So outside of that, they have essentially no losses among the uh, main contributors on offense from last season. Um, I mentioned you know, defense and the issues there with some, uh, I don't want to say inexperienced, but just, uh, well, inexperienced, I, I would say, because outside of those two um, fifth-year guys, some younger guys, some guys that didn't really play well last year, um, and his defense overall didn't play spectacular last season. Um, but another area that, you know, uh, of, of worry for Bellerman, and I think especially against this team, is is the face-off dot. Um, JT Simonton was the primary guy last year. He went like 45%, which isn't bad. Um, and granted, it was a shortened season, but Bellerman has not had a face-off guy go, fifth, go over 50% since 2016. 2016 is the last time they had a 50% face-off guy. Um, or at least 50%. So Simonton, I would expect to be the guy. Uh, Lucas Clark, Turner Lockyer, and Kevin Lamb also got um, a lot of clock last year at that spot. Uh, look for them to step in if Simonton does start to struggle. Um, they all got a lot of uh, a lot of draws last year, and then you know the the, the last thing and, and and sticking and you no know, again with the faceoff situation, they you know it, it's about getting the ball. Like this is a really good offense, but you've got to get them the ball, you know. And, and I worry they're not going to get the ball enough. Um, and then you know when they do have the ball, and the man up, they failed last year. They went 8-for-21 on the power play um, or man up last season. It's 38%. 38%. That is that is not good, and that's not going to be good against this Moser team. Um, and, you know, th- th- this is a Bowman team. You know, for them, just, I think, possess the ball. It is, you know, obviously you have to shut down this offense. But possessing the ball, I think, is going to be crucial. And not only possessing it, but being smart with it. Being smart with it. Use the talent that you have there. And, and that, that's exactly how they're going to win this game. Um, or, or at least make it a competitive game. Um, because this most of the offense is, is, is really, really good. Uh, Sean Goldsmith, 34 goals, 8 assists last year. The nation's top point getter uh, in the shortened 2020 season. They also get Michael Quinn, 
and Will McCarthy back for fifth seasons. This is an offense that, you know, and, and look, they didn't play the best schedule last year. And, you know, that was, you know, a lot of people recognize, okay, Sean Goldsmith, dangerous player. But they didn't play the best competition. And when they did, they, they did play UNC pretty, you know, as well as you could expect them to uh, when they got the chance. And so, you know, regardless of who they played, this is a fiery offense that put up numbers continuously last season. And I, I would expect them to do the same this weekend. And, you know, one of the biggest pieces to this offense is not Sean Goldsmith. It's Ashton Wood at the faceoff dot. And that's why I said, you know, Bellerman, when you look at the struggles at the faceoff dot, this game over the past five, six years, this game does not favor them at all. Ashton Wood, 70% at the dot last season, has been a, you know, has been a uh, dominant power, dominant presence at the dot in the SOCON um, over his first two seasons. Coming in as a junior, I think he went like 65% as a freshman as the primary guy, and then 70% last year. I don't expect him to slow down this year. I don't expect him to slow down this game. Um, so, I mean, Mercer has a clear edge at that spot. And the more that they can get the ball to that offense, get it in the stick of Sean Goldsmith, get it in the stick of Michael Quinn, Will McCarthy, and a plethora of other younger dudes on that offense, the more goals they're gonna, the more shots they can take, the more goals they're gonna score, and the the bigger that the margin of victory is gonna be. Because I I, I think this is a Mercer squad in this game that can run away with this just with Ashton Wood at that dot. Like, again, everyone will talk about Goldsmith. And as great as a player as he is, the offense, you know, you've got to get the ball in his stick. And that, that's why I mentioned Bellerman possess the ball. Possess the ball. Mercer, they're going to possess the ball. Like, I don't have any question about that. And they're going to get the ball to Sean Goldsmith and to those other guys that I mentioned. And they are going to go to work on a Bellman defense that has a lot of questions. And so this offense, I mean, they're going to put up, I'm not going to say they're going to put up, you know, ridiculous numbers in this game. Because you do have to remember, game one, haven't had competition since March. There is going to be rust, especially in the first quarter. But I think once they get in the groove of things here, this is a offense, this is a team that can run away with this game. Enough about the offense, because this is a defense that's also very good. And was fairly young last season. Wesley Chairs, uh, Drew Mast, I believe is how you pronounce that, um, were both very, very good um, defensemen last year. Starters, uh, for the most part, Danny Walsh is a junior, um, so you return two sophomores and a junior who started on defense last season for you. Um, 
and they held, I mentioned this before, like UNC, it was a 14-6 to loss. But those 14 goals was the lowest output UNC had all season against this Moso defense. Against, I'll say that again, UNC, the North Carolina Tall Heels, Chris Gray, the lowest single output they had last season, while it was still 14 goals and you no know, 10, 6, you know, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years ago, would have been a you know, dominating offensive performance for the most part. It was the lowest output of the year. And it came against Mosul. It came against this defense. And, you know, so you look at that. And you look that they have pretty much everybody back on defense. I mean, I I don't see them laying down lightly. And then adding the fact of Ashton Wood, and I know I've mentioned him a lot here, but... I mean, you could argue he is the best defenseman, and so I mean, this is a this is a very good Mosul team from front to back. I don't think they're the best team of SoCon, certainly not, but I think they're definitely going to be in that picture of the SoCon tournament. Um, you know, Jacksonville Air Force. Richmond High Point are clearly ahead of them, but don't be surprised if Moser, um gives one of those teams um, a fit in, in 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 some games. One or more of those teams a fit uh, this season because they certainly have the talent to do it offensively, defensively, and with that neutralizer there, Ashton Wood at the faceoff dot. So. I'm taking Moser in this game. Uh, I, you know, I think Bellarmine is a very good team. I think they will have a have a solid season. Um, 17 games, I believe, on their schedule. Moser has like 12, 13. Um, so you know, Bellarmine's gonna get some run. They're gonna get some wins. Uh, I just don't. I I don't see a way that they neutralize this offense, um, especially if they struggle at that faceoff dot. And if they slip up on defense as they did um, at times last year. Moving out west, where the Denver Pioneers will face, will host the Utah Utes. Third year program, Utah, you know, t- top five team here in Denver. Favorite to win the Big East, Denver Pioneers, the Bill Tierney led. Denver Pioneers. Um, this is a, and I mentioned T.D. Irwin will not be there. I'll say that again. T.D. Irwin will not be there on Saturday. He will be there in mid-March. Will not be there on Saturday. But who will be there is one of the best offenses, maybe the best offense. Well, 2015 was really good, but maybe one of the best offenses Top two, top three offense that Bill Tooney has had at Denver. One of the best offenses in program history. They get Ethan Walker back as a fifth-year guy uh, 
one of the best shooters in the country. And then you add Jackson Moore and Lucas Kotler transferring over from Yale. So by the end of the year, they'll have three Yale transfers. Um, a lot of Yale fans will be rooting for Denver this year if their team does not play. Um, they also return, you know, outside of those guys who are back for, uh, who are back or coming in as fifth-year guys. You have Jack Hanna, Alex Simmons, and J.J. Silstrop all back as well. Alex Simmons, you know, kind of coming in, you know, a lot of people kind of saw him as the um, kind of the, 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 the protege of Ethan Walker, kind of the next up of that elite kind of shooter there and, uh, you know, should be as well. Uh, Jack Hanna, absolute dominant. Midfielder, um, this is a offense that is going to be hard to stop, um, to be honest with you. And I don't know how many teams are going to stop this offense this year. Um, when you, I mean, this is a, a, a top three offense in the country. I mean, I, I, I would probably go Duke, Maryland, and Denver as your top three offenses in the country. Um, and, you know, this... This offense, when they add TD, they might get even better, um, to be honest with you. But, you know, and the uh, I mentioned earlier, Stathakis at, at the faceoff dot, you know, he is going to, um, on he last year was one of the best freshmen. And we'll see him this year as a sophomore, as a sophomore, see how, how he has uh, developed, see if he can take that next step. I believe he was like 65% around there last year. I expect him to be better this year. Um, just with or without Irwin, I think he was going to be better this year. Um, and getting a chance to learn under Irwin for half the season is only going to help him in the years to come. Stathakis, I think, is going to you know, uh, annihilate um, the Utah faceoff guy who is um, – Let's see, Cole Brams, uh, Brahms, back for uh, his sophomore season, had a pretty strong freshman year. Um, so, and well, they both had freshmen last year at the faceoff dot. Stathakis, one of the best, highly rated recruit, lived up to the hype last year, should live up to the hype this year um, until TD comes in and takes his job. Um, but, again, the opportunity to learn under TD for half a year is going to be uh, very, very good for his development. So, Alex Tathakis at the faceoff dot um, is going to even just aid this offense of Morrill, Cottonwood, Walker, Hannah, Simmons, Silstrop. I mean, it's this is a ridiculous, ridiculously talented offense. Um and then when you look at the defense, you know, Bill Tooney, known for the Princeton defense, always has, I always feel like Denver, they never have defenses that really um, stick out to you, uh, but they always are, they're always pretty high-ceiling defenses, um, even with some young guys. And this is a very young defense. One of the younger defenses last year, you know, Jack Thompson in cage was a freshman last year. Adam Hagland and 
uh, Jack DiBenento were both freshmen as well. And Malik Sparrow, LSM, was a freshman also. So you had your three your top three of your top polls and your starting goalie were freshmen last season. And I mean they again like there was a development period, and I've mentioned this before about Denver's defense last year. There was definitely a development period over the first two, two, three games. But I feel like, and I can't remember what game UNC was, but I remember that they put Sparrow um, at close and basically had him just face guard Chris Gray. And he covered him. Chris Gray still went off. He's Chris Gray. He's going to do that. It's just like Michael Salas. You know, he covered him better than anyone else that I've seen or that I saw all year. Um, and, and this defense handled that UNC offense. Again, I mentioned Mosa. They held them to the lowest scoring output. I believe the second lowest was against Denver. So this is a, while the Denver offense gets a lot of talk, a lot of hype as it should, and Stathakis and Owen are going to make, eventually make the best face-off unit, maybe in the history of the game. Um this defense, the ceiling is very, very high, and I think we'll see that against Utah. Um, should mention Danny Logan, one of the top short stick defensive midfielders, um, is also on this defense. Was a very strong player last year. Now, as far as Utah is concerned, I know this is the third year's D one program. But they've got a ton of losses. Um, defensively, Nick Hapney's gone. She transferred to Syracuse. William Donnelly is gone in cage. He grad transferred to Albany. On offense, you lose Perkins, Burke. Uh, Burke is a pro, went pro. Perkins going back to Robert Morris. You also lose Sexton and Mac Costin transferred to Penn State. The one guy that I will mention here on their defense, MJ McMahon. And, you know, he was a freshman last year. He had five goals, I believe. Watch out for him this year. Like, I think he's the guy to... Remember how Josh Stout... Uh, Josh Stout is gone as well. And remember uh, a few years ago, Josh Stout really took off. Um, and, and kind of out of nowhere, obviously he was a club guy and went to D1 uh, when the program elevated. I think that's what we're going to see here with McMahon in his, his sophomore season. Um, the kid's a shooter, t- takes after his brother. His brother actually played basketball at, uh, at Louisville. Um, and, uh, you know, both great shooters, two different sports, but can shoot the lights out. And McMahon showed that last year, had a really good game against Jacksonville, uh, which was one of the last games of the season. And so I think he's probably the one guy that I, if I'm Denver, I'm worrying about. Um, and again, with all these losses, I don't know what to expect. Defensively, I don't know what to expect either. 
Samuel Cabrera and Dominic Mata are the top two returning defensemen. And then uh, Zion DiCinesa uh, D, uh, um, is likely to be the starter in cage, but he didn't play too much last year, um, played in too many games. I mentioned Cole uh, Brams at the faceoff dot. But, I mean, you're going to have to go up against Alex Stathakis. I don't think he wins that battle. Like, I don't see any way. And, again, I'll mention this. that You know, Denver is going to, I mean, they could steamroll Utah. They could steamroll this team. I'm not saying they're going to. I don't think we're going to see steamrolls the first couple weeks because there's been such a long break. There's going to be some rust, especially in a team's first game of the season. But when Denver gets going, it might not be too pretty. It might not be pretty. Um, Utah, no, they could come out and surprise. They certainly could. Um, they've done so in the past. They've played some really good teams really close in the past. And they could certainly do that here. But based on what I know, based on who they return, um, versus what I know about Denver and what they return, and the fact that Denver is a top five team, um, and that's, you know, without the biggest transfer in college across history coming in midseason. We're talking early season here. I, I just don't see a way that Denver loses this game. So I'm I'm going with Denver on this one. And then I mentioned I'm going with Mercer on uh, the earlier game against Bellarmine. And I, really, both games, I just think Mercer and Denver, you know, based on who they're playing, I just think they're a better team front to back um, in the middle of the field. They're just better. Just better teams. And, and again, it, it's going to be interesting to see how things um, play themselves out this first weekend of the season, especially with teams shaking off rust and things like that. But lacrosse is back, and it is exciting. I'm certainly ready to get back to watching some uh, lacrosse. It's been, what, almost six months now, something like that, since the PLL Um concluded back in August. So great to have Wilcox back. Um, as always, you can like, uh, well, not like, you can subscribe, that's on YouTube. You can subscribe um, the podcast, listen to podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, multiple other platforms, social media at Wilcox Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. WilcoxBucket.com is the website. Enjoy the Wilcox this weekend.